My name is Dr. Austin Tay and you are listening to Psych Chat. Hi there, my name is Dr. Austin Tay. I am a UK-trained and Asian-based organisational psychologist. I am also the founder of Omnicide Consulting, where we specialise in executive coaching, leadership assessment and development, career transitioning, training and workplace intervention. I have a special interest in workplace bullying and use acceptance and commitment therapy in the work I do with individuals and organisations. For more information about the services I provide, please check out my website www.omnicide.com. Apart from this podcast, I also have a blog where I pen my thoughts as an organization psychologist. If you want to find out more about what I've shared, do check me out at www.draustintay.com. Welcome to episode 5 of Side Chat. In this concluding episode on workplace bullying, I will discuss about what can an individual do when bullied in a workplace. In episode 2, I shared about the reasons why I wanted to talk about workplace bullying and what constitute workplace bullying. In episode 3, I discussed about the antecedents and causes of workplace bullying. And in episode 4, I spoke about how organisations can do to prevent workplace bullying. So, if you are listening to this podcast episode for the first time, please do also listen to the earlier episodes 2 to 4 about workplace bullying. You can also check out episode 1 if you are interested in goal setting. If you like what you have heard in this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also share with your friends. This will be much appreciated. If you would like to provide any comments or suggestions, please send an email to sitechat at omnicide.com or tweet to us at site underscore chat. Right, let us now get on with today's episode. Being bullied in a workplace can cause an individual to experience undue stress. According to researchers, when individuals experience stress, they will use two types of strategies to eliminate stress. They are problem-focused and emotion-focused strategies. Let us first look at what emotion-focused strategies are. There are various emotion-focused strategies bullied individuals can use to deal 
with the workplace bullying. One commonly used strategy is self-blame. The individuals believe that they are at fault and have brought the bullying upon themselves. Bullied individuals would choose not to report the bullying because they perceived that the organization they work for would do nothing. The other reason for not reporting the bullying is that they do not want to be labeled as a whistleblower. Individuals would choose to avoid their bully deliberately by staying away from work. Sometimes, individuals would deny being bullied or will accept being bullied as part of a learning process in the workplace. For example, associates of law firms I have spoken to have accepted being shouted at and being berated in front of colleagues is considered as part of a rite of passage to survive at work. These strategies used by bullied individuals stem from a place of fear. That is fear of being seen as a troublemaker, fear of losing their job for speaking up against bullying, fear of being seen as someone who cannot deal with office banter or harmless behaviours, and that they are just overreacting. To bully individuals, using emotion-focused strategies can offer them relief, or bit momentarily. There is, however, a downside in using this type of strategies because individuals will not be able to reduce or eliminate their stress, which is caused by the bullying in the first place. Instead, they will suffer from additional stress because they have to think about what actions to use to avoid bullying and suppress their bullying experiences. So, to deal with this new stress, Bullet individuals will start to look at different ways to cope. They will try to eliminate their stress through the use of alcohol, drugs, food, or the practice of unsafe sex. While these coping strategies are able to provide temporary relief, they can become problematic when individuals over-rely or over-indulge in them and this can become an addiction. When bullied individuals have to deal with the stress of being bullied, the stress of trying to avoid or suppress bullying, and the addiction, they are essentially stuck in a vicious cycle. There is no way of escaping all this unless bullied individuals start to face up to their own experiences and look at changing their circumstances. You have been listening to Psych Chat. This podcast is brought to you by OmniSci Consulting. We are a team of psychologists with a wealth of experience in working with individuals, teams, and organizations in the areas of coaching, executive selection, assessment and development, career transitioning, and workplace intervention. OmniSci Consulting exists to solve the critical issues facing our clients both large and small. Our approach is to tailor-make each service to meet the requirements of our clients. Our broad range of services and solutions help individuals and organizations to facilitate change, achieve their vision, and optimize performance and productivity. 
for more information about our services, do check us out at www.omnisci.com. If using emotion-focused strategy is not ideal, perhaps adopting a problem-focused strategy is a better solution to help individuals cope with workplace bullying. The problem-focused strategies used by bullied individuals can vary. To some individuals, the way to stop the bullying is to confront the bully. This is a direct way to find resolution between the parties. However, there can be repercussions when using this approach because a perpetrator can deny or challenge the target about the bullying, escalate the bullying or blame the target. Bullied individuals may prefer to go straight and lodge a complaint with their organization. In doing so, there is a record of the complaint and depending on what policy their organization has on workplace bullying, an investigation might or might not ensue. Individuals need to keep a record of the bullying behaviors they were subjected to, to present as evidence when lodging the complaint. Individuals will expect their organization to take action to deal with the bullying. When individuals are not able to get the attention of their organization to deal with workplace bullying, they might resort to counterproductive work behaviors. Individuals will start to behave badly at work, such as being disruptive, uncooperative, unproductive, and be frequently absent from work. When bullied individuals have exhausted all avenues to deal with workplace bullying, they will leave the organization. Although leaving the organization means that bullied individuals do not have to deal with the bullying anymore, there are, however, practical disadvantages in doing so. Bullied individuals will no longer have an income. This can be an issue if they do not have a job to go to after their departure from the organization. Their professional and social reputation will be affected and this can affect their chances of getting another job. They will no longer enjoy any employee or medical benefits, which can be crucial if they are still seeking medical help for workplace bullying-related ailments. I have earlier spoken about two of the coping strategies bullied individuals use to help them deal with workplace bullying. Next, I would like to share another strategy that can be useful for those who have been bullied. This strategy looks at psychological flexibility, the core component of the acceptance and commitment therapy. My PhD research focuses on how bullied individuals help themselves to deal with the residual psychological impacts 
using acceptance and commitment therapy. I believe that even when individuals no longer work in a toxic environment or no longer experience workplace bullying, there remains some form of residual emotions and thoughts which could prevent individuals from moving on and this creates psychological inflexibility. That is when individuals get stuck and continue to revisit their workplace bullying experiences. To help bullied individuals get unstuck from any residual psychological impact, I will introduce six processes they can use to help themselves move towards psychological flexibility. The first two processes are acceptance and cognitive diffusion. To break away from the chains of unhelpful thoughts and emotions, individuals can learn to accept and diffuse their residual thoughts and emotions. To do so, individuals can learn to face up to the thoughts and emotions instead of running away from them. This is a form of acceptance. Learning to accept the thoughts and emotions as they are allows individuals to cognitively diffuse themselves from those thoughts and emotions. That is, individuals will not be spending time trying to figure out the literal meaning of those thoughts and emotions. Instead, we'll be focusing on other matters that are important to them. One of the exercises that I used in my research to help bullied individuals to practice cognitive diffusion was the cartoon voice technique. This is a technique whereby individuals are asked to choose their favorite cartoon character and they are to use the voice of that cartoon character to repeatedly say the thoughts or emotions they have experienced out loud. This type of word repetition technique was first introduced by a British psychologist Edward Tichner. Tichner believed that repeating a word repeatedly could remove the emotional impact or discomfort and believability of specific words or thoughts that might cause emotional discomfort. The third and fourth processes are perspective-taking and being present. When individuals are caught up in their thoughts and emotions, they will respond by trying to make sense of them all and in so doing get themselves in a state where they are not able to deal with the thoughts and emotions. A better way to deal with the thoughts and emotions is to take a step back and take stock of the situation. This is called perspective-taking. For individuals to take perspective of their situation, they must first let themselves experience how the thoughts and emotions are actually affecting them. 
This could be in the form of constant mulling over a thought or emotion or physical reactions to the thoughts and emotions. This is what is called at being present. When individuals are able to look, feel and experience the situation that they are in, the next step is to take a step back and view the situation in entirety instead of just focusing on either a thought or an emotion. The exercise I like to use is to encourage an individual to write the negative thoughts or emotions on a piece of paper. Then to hold the paper with an outstretched arm in front of the face to the arm's ache. In doing so, this exercise is depicting that by holding and focusing only on the negative thoughts and emotions can cause an individual feeling tired and burdened. When the individual puts the paper with the negative thoughts or emotions on the lap, the negative thoughts and emotions are still there, but they are no longer the main focus. The individual can see what is ahead, and this can propel the individual to move forward and focus on important matters. The fifth and sixth processes are values and value-based actions. When an individual no longer has obstacles, he or she can focus on what that matters, such as something or someone important to the individual, just like a lighthouse that is important to help ships navigate in the rough seas. It is important to lay down the course of your journey. This is called value-based actions. That is the actions you need to take to reach your values. Before you arrived at your values, you will have to complete various stages. Here, I call them goals. To me, these stages are like landmarks you look out for in the journey, as they also act as a guide to point you towards your values. It will be too easy if the journey you embarked on does not have hurdles and obstacles. Getting yourself unstuck from all the negative thoughts and emotional entanglements or to become psychologically flexible is a process. The bullied individuals in my research applied these methods and found them useful. That is that they have learned to let go of that baggage they carried with them from their bullying experience and focus on important things that matter to them most. Such sharing suggests the efficacy of ACT in helping bullied individuals deal with the residual psychological impact caused by workplace bullying. Today, I have concluded the last part on the topic of workplace bullying. I hope the information shared is helpful. If you are listening to this episode for the first time, 
This episode is part of a series in which I talk about workplace bullying. You can check out episodes 2, 3 and 4 where I touch on the reasons why I chose to speak about workplace bullying, what constitutes workplace bullying, the antecedents and causes of workplace bullying, and what an organisation can do to prevent workplace bullying. If you feel that you are a victim of workplace bullying, do not suffer in silence. You need to speak to someone about it. Thank you for listening to this podcast side chat. If you have any comments or suggestions, please send them via email to sitechat at omnisci.com or tweet to at site underscore chat. This podcast is brought to you by Omnisci Consulting. You have been listening to Site Chat. This podcast is brought to you by Omnisite Consulting. We are a team of psychologists with a wealth of experience in working with individuals, teams, and organizations in the areas of coaching, executive selection, assessment and development, career transitioning, and workplace intervention. Omnisite Consulting exists to solve the critical issues facing our clients both large and small. Our approach is to tailor-make each service to meet the requirements of our clients. Our broad range of services and solutions help individuals and organizations to facilitate change, achieve their vision, and optimize performance and productivity. For more information about our services, do check us out at www.omnisci.com.